Welcome back to another edition of The Alonzo Bet. We're your hosts. I'm Aaron. And I'm Sam. And we are coming to you live here on Thursday, April 29th, with about a week's worth of baseball to recap. We got four games going on. Well, three games going on on the TV right now, but soon to be four when the White Sox and Tigers get underway. Soon to be an even better five when the D-backs Rockies get underway at 940 East Coast time here. Um, And oh boy, we also have the NFL draft going on. Sam's Jets have already nabbed um, a good old boy from BYU, someone to run uh, the offense in Sam Darnold's absence. In fact, an exact doppelganger to Sam Darnold. But I'm not uh, sure I agree with that. Yeah, well, that's all to say that there is a lot of action that we will be bringing to you live during this episode. But the good news is we also have a lot of action from the last week that we are going to cover in depth this episode. So, Sam, can you ride us through what we're going to be talking about uh, during this rundown here today? Yeah, and uh, sorry for you know the week off, you guys. We're, we're both very busy in our day jobs uh, as PhD students, but we're coming back to our night jobs of dispelling all the sports information analysis that you guys want and need to you guys. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft as things sort of show up on the screen. Full disclaimer, neither of us have any idea what we're talking about when it comes to no. evaluating no. Uh, college football prospects, but some but interesting stuff. Us. Yes, some interesting stuff. For instance, this is the third time in NFL draft history and first time since 1999 that the first three picks of the draft were quarterbacks with uh, Trevor Lawrence going to the Jaguars, Zach Wilson, the probably the third best quarterback of all time already going to the New York Jets, and uh, Trey Lance, a big of a surprise, as many uh, predicted the 49ers would be taking Mac Jones from Alabama going to the 49ers. Uh but we're not only going to be talking about football. We're going to be talking a lot about baseball. There's some news this past week, including the retirement of a couple guys, Jay Bruce, Jerry Blevins, uh, the Madison Bumgarner, almost no hitter. We'll talk about how MLB is scoring that. Uh, and those Oakland A's going on a 13 game win streak. Uh, that ace team just knows how to go on win streaks. Uh, it's, it's built into the franchise. Um, And then we're going to get into some early season performances. Uh, There's uh, some surprisingly good teams, such as the Kansas City Royals, some surprisingly bad teams, such as the New York Yankees. Yeah, baby. Uh, You love to see it. And then there's, I think there's some notable early season player performances as well. There's some breakouts of young, young already stars going to like another level superstardom. There's already superstars going to like, pantheon of greatness level mm-hmm. and there's already pantheon of greatness level going to i don't even know <laughs> um and we're gonna be talking about those guys and yeah we're just gonna be shooting the shit about some baseball and a little football for an hour and you know what i might say a couple words about the new york knicks uh nine game win streak if i have a chance well, I, you know, of course, we'd love that. I almost was certain you were going to say you that you were had a few words about the New York Mets, in which case I had already penciled those in uh, non-verbally. So if you need to use them for the Knicks, then that's uh, that's certainly going to work. Let's start off with some of uh, some of the things that happened in this last week. You kind of took us uh, 10,000 feet over the top of them. 
But that Jay Bruce retirement, you know, I suggested that we bring this segment up because it felt like to me, um, Jay Bruce, of course, like really starting his career and having the best years of his career when I was a younger baseball fan. Um, I mean, not that much younger, but still uh, maybe a little bit more um, romantic about the game pre advanced statistics to an extent. Um, and I had this impression that Jay Bruce was um, a very, you know, impactful player in the MLB, like a, a very hall of very good status. But um, I certainly wouldn't say he's there. So to his credit, he had 320 major league career home runs. That's an incredible accomplishment that that only a very small fraction of the MLB history has. Um, I think some of that's tempered by the idea that he uh, especially was coming through this launch angle revolution to an era where um, that mark may be more easily met and the 300, the next 300 is more like 400 or 450 for a career, but it's still an incredible accomplishment, almost a thousand career RBIs. Um, But when I saw 106 career WRC plus for better or for worse, Sam, I was ready to throw all of my previous intuition about him out the window and be like, Oh, sheesh. Like, over his career, he really was just an average hitter, basically. Yeah, I mean, it certainly doesn't help that he sort of compiled these last three, four seasons where he was really bad. Uh, but I will say, That's like, true. I, he would have been a lot more like 110 if he had just yeah. retired in 2019. I will say, like, looking looking through his career, if if I was guessing the, like, if you asked me what was Jay Bruce's best single season WRC plus, I would have guessed something like 145, 150. So see uh, exactly. So That's exactly what I would so say. So seeing 124 is his best season and really the only season when he uh was valued well defensively as well. He actually uh was valued very well defensively in 2010 uh in route to a 5.1 war, but really was only over three war twice in his career. And had a lot of seasons where he was basically replacement level. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I certainly would have taken the over on on 20 career war if you had asked me before this exercise what Jay Bruce's career was. I I certainly agree with you. And, you know, like when he was coming up with the Reds, I, you know, there was this perception of him as an up and coming superstar that obviously never came to fruition. Uh, But I mean, he was a good serviceable major league baseball player for a decade. That's nothing to scoff at. He had a good career. Uh, yeah. And he definitely played his role and played it well. Like there has been a, a place in the game for a guy who, who hits 250 with 30 bombs forever. Um, now there's even more of a place if that guy can get on base at a 320, 330 clip, but um, you know, which he didn't always do. He did sometimes, but um, yeah, I think I think you kind of hit it on the head. It's a surprise that he was unable to amass a higher career war. But I will say that I think he had his place on a lot of good teams, a couple good Cincinnati teams in the mid 2010s. Obviously, a, a part of um, the Yankees at some point, the Phillies, the Mets, kind of hopped around, and uh, I think he played for the Indians for half a season at some point. Um, but just kind of hopped around and, you know, hit homers. Yeah, he was off the bench. He was all, righties. He was really all over the place once he left Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, another JB retired this week. 
and that's Jerry Blevins, uh, a lefty specialist his entire career, who I think really whose saw job, some of his most whose job was eliminated by the greed of Rob Manfred. Sam, fire Rob <laughs> Manfred. Yeah, uh, actually had some of his most successful seasons as a lefty specialist for the Mets in in. 2016 and in 2017 uh under three eras both those seasons he was a favorite of of Mets fans and everyone on the Mets beat just really nice fun guy to have around the game uh he tweeted out that uh the first thing he was doing in his retirement was watching the the best pitcher in baseball pitch went to the game with a DeGrom pitching last night of course it was another he got DeGromed again one nothing loss I mean Degrom again. So it's sick. a verb it's, now. That's brutal. It's so sickening. I don't even know what to say. Like I just had a pin in my stomach watching that game yesterday. But um, we all need to dwell on that. Uh, yeah. So happy retirement to Jerry Blevins as well. Who honestly, I w- I was still kind of holding out hope because he was in the Mets organization when he retired that the Mets would have some use for him as a lefty out of the bullpen. This yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, like no. like you said, the, the three batter rule really uh, pushes out a guy like Jerry Blevin. And also, he's thirty seven now. Yeah. Like I didn't realize he had such a long career. Um, he has actually a very impressive, like a very very solid career for a reliever who never had a chance of not being a reliever. You know what I mean? Like he, for a guy to be basically a lefty specialist his whole career and be able to play. 15 seasons in the MLB. No, uh, 12 seasons in the MLB is very good. Um, but I, I do want to say one last thing before we move on here. I know Jay Bruce listens to the show, so I don't want you to think that we were throwing shade on you, Jay Bruce. Um, obviously a very good player by all accounts, an amazing teammate. Um, and somebody who hit 320 bombs, in the big leagues, like that's sick. Um, but we regret to inform you, your advanced stats are underwhelming. So with that, uh, why don't we move on to my personal favorite moment of this last week? And that's when those little snakes in the middle of the end, in the middle of the end of a massive uh, road trip, they go into Atlanta for a little doubleheader, little two in two seven inning dips. Okay, back to back. Zach Gallen gets out on the hill for the first dip. He's got the no, no through five. He gets tagged up for a hit in the six, but he goes out, finishes the game. I think two walks, one hit, no earned. Absolute gem from the maestro, the young maestro, Bach, if you will, Zach Gallen. And then his older father, ex-San Francisco giant left-handed hurler, Madison Bumgardner, comes out onto the bump for game two. He has a no-hitter through five. Then he has a no-hitter through six, and then the game ends. He still hasn't given up a hit, but it's only the seventh inning. So now what Major League Baseball, quote-unquote, is telling me is that Zach Gallen officially one-hit the Braves, true, but Madison Bumgarner did not officially no-hit the Braves? False. What do you have to say about it? Yeah, I mean, it. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Like, Correct. I feel like people are thinking about it as Madison Bumgarner threw a no hitter, which I mean, part, I part certainly of, am. it's very, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of it that way. And like, my take on it is like, if we're going to count these seven inning games as real games, 
that if you don't give up a hit in them, you threw a no hitter. It's like, I feel like baseball, major league baseball is implicitly saying these games, seventh inning games are illegitimate. If they're saying that uh, not giving up a hit in them isn't a no hitter, but again, you know, it it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, you're on the money with that though, Sam, like first off, If that's what they're saying, if they're saying they're illegitimate, I agree. But don't make teams play two seven-inning games then, okay? Just play the two nine-inning games. I I have a confession. You like the seven-inning doubleheaders. I I like the seven-inning doubleheaders. They're kind of fun. It's like it's kind of it kind of like it makes it makes the early innings like more exciting. You're like they're you know, every inning you're like, oh, this is really like the seventh inning. You know, exactly. And look, I also am very ashamed to say that I, a part of me feels that way. Like part of me watches these and is like, all right, like let's go just 14 innings, like quick back, back, back with a little break in the middle. I don't mind it. But again, all I'm asking from the MLB is consistency. I hate everything they do. So under Rob Manfred, fire Rob Manfred, I hate everything they do, but I'm okay. I can live with most of it if it's consistent, but they just, it's like the replay thing. Like they're, they're, they put in replay to get everything right. They can't get any calls right through replay. Like every time it gets sent to the booth, they make the wrong call. It feels like this season. I, I will say with, you know, on that topic, like I'm not sure if it's just like the fact that like, things are so online now and like you're constantly seeing stuff on Twitter. If that makes it seem like umpiring's gotten worse because like, I'm just seeing every bad call there is, but it really does feel like umpiring is worse this year than it's ever been before. Like you're, I feel like I'm seeing more examples of just insane, like inexplicable calls, like stuff that you should never be getting wrong. I mean, not even balls and strikes. Like, did you see this? fielder's interference called on i don't even know yes. what was called but yeah somehow no, it was ended up at first when he got out yeah no it was it was fielder's interference but like a specific one for being in the baseline or something but look i i do think it's the twitter effect sam i don't necessarily have a qualm with the calls that the umpires are making umpires do by far of any official the most difficult uh, officiating job in the major sports i think and I don't have a Calling problem when they make it's really hard. It's insanely hard. And I, I don't have a problem when they make mistakes. I don't honestly, I don't even have a problem when they make a mistake like they, uh, you know, call an HBP on a strike, for example. Like it's not it's by the letter of the law. It's not right, but it's fine. But then if you're going to review them, go get the reviews right. That's what I can't understand is they're sending everything back to quote unquote Chelsea now and quote unquote Chelsea never gets the call right. So what's the point? You're wasting time. You're doing something that's weird for baseball. Replay is weird for baseball. You're wasting time. You're doing this weird thing. And then in the end, you're just making everyone even more mad. No one's happy with the outcome. Fire up. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's all I, I have to say. Fire up, Manfred. I, you know, I certainly, I, 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 you know, I have a very love hate relationship with replay because on one hand, I, you know, I think it is good to get the calls right, but I feel like it is, it's taking away the letter of the law or it's taking away the spirit of a lot of rules in, in every type of sport, whether it's baseball, football, or, 
basketball. It, it slows the pace of the game. And I don't know what the answer is, but there's got to be a better way to do it. Agreed. Um, Agreed. But yeah, I do just after, sorry, we've gone on that tangent, which I guess is now obligatory. Like I, I guess I have to get mad at Rob Manfred every episode now. Is that in the contract? Is that in the new contracts that we signed? I don't know, but I do now that we're back I, on track I, here. If we're going to sign contracts, I'd like to get paid next time. <laughs> you will. So, so would I, Sam. Yeah. Um, uh, but I do want to go back here and, and say, not just did the D-backs give up the fewest hits in major league history over a 14 inning stretch. Catch me. They also went home, took care of the Padres in game one, and we're getting ready to take care of the pods back to back in game two when some weird San Diego current blew into the field and like was blowing Padres balls into dead dead zones and like hurting the D-backs. But that said, the D-backs right now, Sam, and you may not know this, are sitting at 12 and 12. They're basically at the same percentage points as the Padres. And once the Giants start to slip, they're going to make that punch. So everyone watch out for those little rattlers they, as they... They have, a, they have a better winning percentage than the Mets. Well, they're a better team than the Mets. I think, we all, <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. Um, so there we go. Bumgarner Gallon, a beautiful, beautiful performance by two great pitchers. Was it a no-no? Yes. If you agree or you want us to fire Rob Manfred, you know where to find us. You know where to find our hashtag. That's at the Alonzo bet on Twitter. But something you may not know is we do have a Gmail account that is often used to email us things like uh, the email that we will read out to you later this episode. But that can be found at the Alonzo bet at gmail.com. Sam, the other big story that I think we wanted to hit on this week, and I'm sure we'll hit on a million other things, but. Wow, those A's, after just starting the season so, so miserably, like, I think they were 3-10 and 10 or something? Just go yeah, out. Yeah, maybe not quite. Or they're like 1-7 or, like or something before they were. 1-7, that might be right. They go out, they rip 13 straight. And they absolutely, Sam, they absolutely did it on the back of their pitching. Their starting pitching looked really good. Their bullpen was also getting the job done. Um, and their hitters finally started waking up a little bit. We've been wondering, where's Matt Olson? Where's Matt Chapman? You know, where's Ramon Laureano? Um, Mark, Con- Mark Canna has been having a great season. And if you listen to me and drafted, yeah, you, you're always, you've always been a Mark Canna stand and I have to, uh, have to give you credit for that. He's a tremendous fantasy player too. And not only that, he's now my first baseman in MLB, the show diamond dynasty. And let me tell you, he hits absolute haters off of righties. So keep that in mind. If you play diamond dynasty, that's a free card. You can go find it. But, uh, Wow, Sam, 13 games. These A's were really good. And I think this is what the A's do. They just find little runs. They find ways to win. I don't feel confident that they'll win. This is also the the post Billy Bean era too. That's true. That is post Billy Bean. I don't feel Uh, confident they'll win the division or go to the playoffs, but you have to think that the A's are going to be a force still this season, even after a rough start. 
Yeah, and I will note that you know they're sixteen and ten. They're f- they're first in the AL West right now. That after their horrendous start, their playoff odds on FanGraphs had bottomed out at nine point two percent after starting the season at thirty three point four, and they have gotten it all the way back up to basically fifty percent with this win streak. So quite the turnaround after a, really a disastrous start to the season for them. Uh, and let's take a moment. Cause I think that's a point where I hear a lot of people say, Oh my God, that's why you can't look at playoff odds. And once again, folks, that is not uh, evidence that playoff odds are worthless. Like you have to know how to read them. Right. So they may be back up to 50%, but they're still only 50%. If they had just started the season even and went on that 13 game run, they'd be pushing 60, 65%. So like they work just let, let's be careful about our reading. So that, that's my two cents. Marcelo Zuna taking the ball deep into the night in Atlanta six, two still cubbies with Adbert Alzale. Once again, pitching a gem for five innings, but you got to watch it because he has not finished the sixth inning yet this season, despite having some good performances. And this is why he doesn't have uh, enough pitches to keep these hitters off balance. Sorry, Sam. Yeah. So we, uh, we, we, we went through the A's. Are there any other, teams that are impressing you out there that that you're a bit surprised by well i mean how could you not be surprised by the royals they're first off they're an absolute diaper dandy okay their team is young they well besides danny duffy their team is young and they can hit the ball around they literally do it all right now but i think the most surprising thing is really that their pitching has been as good as it is 13 in the 13th in the league with a 3.99 ERA, about the same with a 2.5 WAR, and yeah, that's not 10th in the league with a 2.5 WAR, and that's not, you know, amazing. It's not even upper third necessarily, but it's really surprising for a team that was going to be really bad. And my guy to kind of look at here on this Royals pitching staff is Jake Junis, okay? Because Jake Junis. He's always kind of been um, a darling of advanced statistics, of stack cast stuff. He's got a great spin rate. Um, he's got a really interesting arsenal, but he's never been able to put it together. So a couple of years in the league now, and there's a decent amount of relief thrown into this, but a 4-3-7 in 2018, and his FIP was right in line. A 524 ERA in 2019, his FIP was very close, his ex-FIP a little lower. Um, and then a 639 in 2020, his FIP exactly the same, his ex-FIP down at 477. But yes, this year he is down to 347. It looks good. You might be a little worried though, because his XERA is 491. His FIP is 223, though, and his ex-FIP is 317. This is real for Jake Junis, despite some very scary exit velocity numbers. His pitch mix is totally different. I like what he's doing. Let me say this right now. He's going to end the season with an over four ERA. He's not like on an amazing tier of pitchers right now, but this is a breakout slowly happening in front of our eyes for a guy who can be a solid two in the league in a few years, I still think. So that's my call right there. Yeah, and I I think the Royals are a great story. I've I've been very hard on the Royals on this podcast before. Are you here to apologize? No, I mean I basically saying they <laughs> they they don't necessarily have the right philosophy when it comes to team building. I 
I still think that's true, but you know, you have to give them credit for going for it in a certain way. And it's, it's obviously been a, a really nice tar- start to the season for them. So congrats to them. I don't think it's going to continue. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Is there a person on their team whose performance you think maybe in particular won't continue? I mean, I'm, I'll take the under on Michael A. Taylor being their best player this year by war. Yeah. How far under can I take that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here. It, although, although he is, he is doing it with, uh, you know, just average offense and, and playing good defense, but you know, even a hundred WRC plus I'm going to, I'm going to slam the under on that for Michael, Michael A. Taylor. Let me ask you this, Sam, because WRC plus not cumulative. He's already at 0.7 war. What is the over under that you would take that he gets to two? Is he going to keep playing every day? I mean, I mean, yeah. Who are they going to bring up over him? You know, let's assume he plays every day. Then I think he'll make it to two. I mean, it's not, I think his defense can get him 1.3, you know, playing solid defense and, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll put two as sort of his his expected place to end up. I would I would actually take the over if he plays every day. He looks like he could have another 2017 season where he took a 104 WRC plus good for a 3.1 WAR. Like his defense is actually just very good when he's playing all the time. I think. Um, if you, if you if you I, ask what Zips uh, answer to this is, they project him for 0.8 wins the rest of the way. Uh, but that's with only 323 plate appearances. So if, if we end up seeing so they something think he's, more like yeah. more like four or five hundred plate appearances, then maybe he gets there. Uh, and I think maybe Zips is probably the most realistic. Like if I, if I'm the Royals, I either am in competition and feel like I need to replace him, or I'm not in competition and it doesn't make sense to continue giving him at bats, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, congrats to Michael A. Taylor for a nice, uh, for a nice, nice little start to the season. For a nice huh? twenty-three games. Um, I mean, the other team that I think there, there are a couple other teams that I think are worth talking about. There's the Boston Red Sox, who we sort of said at the beginning of the year in our AL East preview, which is like the Red Sox are maybe getting a little underrated. Like they still have a lot of bangers in that lineup. And if they can get mm-hmm. something from the pitching staff, which, Oh boy, are they, then they could be, they could be a team. And like, I mean, in terms of the batters, like they're all, they're all hot right now. Uh, JD Martinez has been as hot as anyone. Rafael Devers looks like himself. Uh, Xander Bogarts looks really good. Alex Verdugo looks really good. Um, Xander Bogarts, the most underappreciated player in baseball, by the way. I'll hang my hat on that statement. Nobody cares that he's a shortstop who has had a 130 or better WRC plus and played good defense for the last three years. Like that's just, I mean, that's top 20 player in baseball status right there. Yeah. Because he plays that premium position at shortstop. He is Bogarts is underappreciated. I'll agree with you that. But then the, I think the big story with them is their pitching. Like Nate Evaldi is mm-hmm. the guy that they hoped he would be when they signed him to that contract after the amazing playoff, per, the amazing World Series performance. Uh, 
but then they're getting stuff out of other guys. Nick Pavetta just shut down the Mets. Uh, counter Jacob deGrom. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez after his uh, scary bout did you with hear, this. Did you hear Nick Pavetta's interview after the Mets game? I didn't. I, I disconnected from anything that had to do with baseball or the Mets after that game. I found this interesting because, to be honest, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, I've always thought Nick Pavetta's a bitch. Okay, like, yeah, he throws gas. He's got a hook. He's got a hammer is what it really is. But, like, what he, he sucks. And, like, he always goes out there and looks so defeated. And I was really interested to hear him after the DeGrom game be like, here's the thing. Like, I'm going out there facing probably the best pitcher on the planet, and he's really, really good, but I have to think that I am better than him which sounds crazy, but is certainly the right mentality to have as like a competitor going out trying to duel with Jacob deGrom. Because the second you start thinking, as Jake Marisnik takes it deep, okay, Cubby, 7-2. Because if you're going to go out there, as soon as you start thinking, this guy's the best, you've lost it. And so a little bit of toughness, and he mentioned about the support he has from the team and the coaches and the catcher, and it made me wonder, did he not like playing in Philadelphia? Cause it looks like it's awful to play in Philadelphia. I'll be just straight up honest with you. And did he not like it? Is he able to unlock something with the incredible skills that he definitely has? Cause that is huge. As you're mentioning, they're getting a lot out of Eovoldi. Eduardo Rodriguez looks healthy, which I think was the only question we really had about him. Like he's outperforming what I think he would, but I, I, I believe he'll still come back to earth a little bit. Even if he does, if, even if Nadia Voldi does, if they can get something out of Pavetta, well, now they're real competitors because while they have been tearing up the AL East, no one else has been doing anything. You know, the Jays have been banged up. They're under 500. The Rays are in second place at 500. By the way, the Red Sox are seven games over 500 right now at 16 and nine. And then the odds on favorite, the guarantee lock to win the World Series this year, the dreaded barons of hate of Major League Baseball, the New York Yankees are at 11 and 14. And my brother, a big New York Yankees fan, calls me the other day. He says, I have a question. Why do the Yankees suck? And I said, now you see the light. The Yankees suck this year. And let's just hope it continues. I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily that worried about the Yankees. Uh, the pitching is what, like a What do you think is going to change for them, though? I think the bats are gonna are gonna heat up a bit more. Uh, you know, it's it's twenty twenty three games. You know, and but but you know the the seven game hole, that's that's not nothing, right? Yeah. So so I'm not saying they're they're gonna win. I'm not saying they're like locks to win the division because actually, it is it is a big hole to climb out of. But I. I still think the Yankees are really good. And like, I, there's nothing that makes me think they're not still really good. That's true. That's true. And that's fair. Um, But what have you seen in this rough start, Sam? Like you just said, you think their bats are going to warm up. Um, You're right. Their hitting has been really, really bad. 22nd in the league in war from their hitters. And their WRC plus is only 93. And like, it's not good. And they're, oh, it's 98. I'm sorry. The Mets are 93, which is even worse. And I am so sorry. I didn't mean to do that, but they both started with NY. <laughs> um, 
that's actually good for 12th in the league, Sam. Of course, it's behind the Arizona Diamondbacks, but again, the Arizona Diamondbacks are a better team than the New York Yankees. Yeah, but that, I think you can say that this is a top three lineup in the league. Like, they're... especially the way John Car- did you see John Carlos multi homer game the other day? Yeah, I mean, Two bombs over 115 off the bat. He went absolutely bananas. Yeah, I mean, when he gets a hold of it, that's no one else is can come close. Uh, but yeah, like Glaber's looked really bad. Uh, Stanton's been okay. LeMahieu hasn't quite been himself. You know, um, you know, Judge has been good. Uh, maybe, th- but he, maybe but this he's been is out of the lineup a lot. Yeah. Maybe this is just who Gary Sanchez is now. I'm, he's actually playing better defense. I got to tip my cap to a guy because I am a Gary, Gary Sanchez is a joke to me. But I got to tip my cap. My main qualm with him is not his offense, it's his defense. And while he's certainly no Pudge Rodriguez back there right now, he does not look like the absolute abomination he has been in years past. And so I think that's at least a bright spot for those Jockeys fans. And I will note uh, for those following the NFL draft that we have now gotten to the 10th pick and Justin Fields has still not been selected. So some interesting. Is there concern there? Wasn't he kind of posted for top five for sure? I mean, people, it's sort of, he's been slipping down draft boards and no one really knows why. I mean, for a long time, he was sort of the, you know, early in the college football season, people were talking about him. Like, is he maybe even better than Trevor Lawrence? So I don't know exactly why he's falling, uh, but I'll tell you what I don't want to see is I don't want to see him fall to the new new England Patriots. Yeah, because that's basically a guarantee that he's going to become like one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, right? Yeah. Um, And then like we're going to have years of the Patriots, you know, the Jets took Zach Wilson over Justin Field. Yeah, now that's going to be tough for you because it's almost a guarantee at this point that Zach Wilson is a bust, right? Well, no, we got a new we got a new regime over there in New York, (laughs) Bob Sala. I mean, that guy people wear their heart on the sleeve for that guy is going to be one of the best coaches in the league. Um, But back to baseball. Yeah. It's been tough for the Yankees. There's some questions like when are the bats going to heat up? Are they going to be healthy? Are they going to get any pitching besides for Garrett Cole? Any starting pitch. Well, their bullpen, sorry, be yeah. fair. Their bullpen has been lights out. Yeah. Their bullpen is is a thing of beauty. And, and he's starting God, their starters up. are sketchy. Yeah, uh, like Aroldis Chapman maybe looks as good as he has in years with this like new split finger whatever that's unhittable. What is it? It's speaking of new pitches. Oh my God, I'm sorry I keep pulling us off topic, but there's just so much craziness. Have you seen the Devin Williams reverse airbender? Now he's throwing somehow... The same pitch with opposite lateral break. Yeah, I saw one of those on Pitching Ninja. It's, I, I don't I don't get it. You, and guys, they're still teeing him up right now. Uh, again, to be fair to him, I've watched him because I had to drop him from my fantasy team. And when guys team up, it's never that pitch. It's that he can't quite get the corners with the pitch, and then he ends up having to throw like a, a two-seamer, and the two-seamer gets lined. But like when he's on if he can throw that pitch breaking in either direction it's just literally impossible to hit you can forget about it it's the most insane pitch repertoire i've ever seen because that pitch is like 
better than what people dreamed Daisuke Matsuzaki's gyro would be when he came over to the States in like 2012. You remember that? Everyone was like, oh, this pitch. Like you've never seen a pitch like this. It's just a screwball. Like you've never seen a pitch like this. And then he comes and he can't throw it. This is what they wanted it to be. Yeah, it's it's really nasty. Um, any other teams you want to talk about? Well, look, if we're talking about uh, teams who have taken the proverbial poopy in their pants early in the season, it's hard not to wonder what's going on with those twins. Eight and 15. That's actually worse than the Yankees. We're at 11 and 14. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a fair point. And I don't, to be honest, I don't really know what's going on because they're hitting the ball. And sure, they're not I pitching mean, great. Buxton like they're has getting been no... incredible. Who's been incredible? Buxton. Oh, yeah. Buxton is Buxton is literally one of three players all time to have a 985 OPS or higher at this point in the season. Oh, no, slugging, not OPS. Oh, my God. 985 slugging or higher at this point in the season. Like, he's been awesome. But, yeah, the staff hasn't been great. 12th in the league, uh, oh no, backwards, 18th in the league in ERA, like not great, but not that awful. They just can't seem to scratch out wins. And like the Indians have had their number and the Tigers have gotten them a few times. And the, they always seem to run into like Giolito and Bieber when they face their rivals. So it's been tough. And while the Royals take the lead in that division, everyone else just seems to be scrumming for middle spots. And that's how most of the divisions look right now. You have somebody at the top and there's a couple surprises. Another surprise is the Giants, who certainly I don't think anybody expected to see tied with the Dodgers at this point in the season at 16 and nine. The Giants, by the way, the best starting rotation ERA in baseball. It's under three as a rotation. Not just any rotation, a rotation that features Aaron Sanchez. They have Aaron Sanchez in a rotation who has an ERA under three. There's some yeah. there's some oddities here, Sam, and I'll let you choose. You can choose both. Do you want to delve into what is going on in the Twin Cities? Or do you want to head out to the Bay and wonder how soon till the Giants suck? Well, I will say with the Twins is that like, it feels like they're getting quite unlucky. Like they're losing a bunch of close games that yeah, they're just yeah. like, what's happening. Everything's going wrong for them. And I like, it doesn't even feel like the guys you expect to be good are not good. Like Nelson. No, they're playing Nelson. Nelson Cruz. Amazing. Yeah. Right he now. keeps getting better. Byron Buxton. is like breakout of all breakouts. Josh Donaldson's great. Jose Barrios has looked really good. Uh, the starters outside of Barrios haven't been great. I, actually, Pineda's been pretty good. Pineda's been pretty um, good. And actually, you know, J.A. Happ's given them some good starts as well. So, yeah. The What's interesting with the Twins, Sam, is that at home, they're minus nine in run differential. But on the road, they're plus three. They're just getting squeezed in home games right now. Yeah, but also like a minus six run differential. And like we've talked about this before on the podcast in general, 10 runs is going to basically be a win, be a win. So if we're talking about a team with a minus six run differential, if we're just talking about expected wins from a run differential perspective, we expect them to be, you know, not even a game 
not even basically not even two games below 500 one game below 500 so they're certainly getting unlucky in terms of losing close games uh but there's an interesting run differential for you sam you'll like this the reds are plus 29 at home they're minus 23 on the road i mean i think it's just at this point any of that stuff's just random noise. Uh, run differential is it, it is cumulative though. Like that is telling you that at home so far this season, factually, they have scored twenty nine more runs than their like the meaning of it. Yes, is is unclear at this point. But like that is a crazy early season stat, and Colorado is even crazier. They're plus twenty four at home, minus thirty two on the road. Yeah, well, well Col- Colorado, that might be more of a of a thing that we know is a thing, which is that. Sure, they, they sure. Fall. The Cubs plus 17 on the road, oh, actually, minus 35 Actually, home. speaking of Colorado, we, we forgot a piece of news, which is that their their general manager, Jeff Frisch, uh, resigned. Um, and thank God, like he should have just been fired. Yeah, and, and that, I think now it's a very interesting job because like, the Rockies, they're dealing with something weird that no other team has to deal with, which is that they play, they basically play in a different environment than any other team where pitches mm-hmm. don't move the same way. They play in this massive outfield uh, where the hit, the hitting effects are so great. But then when you go on the road, uh, that sort of hurts the hitters. Um, so I think it's definitely an interesting it's a very interesting place. It's an interesting job to have. Like if you can be smart about it and maybe try to take advantage of some of these differences, maybe it's a good position to get, but I think you mm-hmm. need a creative out of the box thinker to take that job. If they want to turn that organization around. I agree. Like for as amazing as um, somebody like uh, the guy who was with the tigers, um, I don't know. One of these older GMs who have had incredible success. Um, I can't believe I can't Dombrowski. Thank you. Like, do I think Dombrowski is a great GM? Yes. Still today. I think he's a very good GM, but do I think he'd be good for this position? No, you really need somebody who's like willing to get really crazy. And I think that means somebody non-conventional outside of um, maybe the pipeline of GMs that has been curated from some of these organizations um, and I hope they go out and find someone like that, but I seriously doubt it. Um, I don't think the Rockies owners really are thinking about this the right way. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we've talked about a bunch of surprising teams. I think there are a couple players that I want to cover and, and, you know, these aren't unknown guys. These are well-known guys, but one guy there, there are two guys I want to talk about who I, I really feel like they're making a leap. The first is Ronald Acuna Jr., who we've talked about before on this podcast. I feel a bit like his reputation his reputation a bit outstripped his production and that he was clearly a very good all-star, superstar-level player, but people sort of saw the immense talent and were talking about him like he was already winning MVPs when he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And... Now, and we talked about this last year on the, on the pod. Yeah, exactly. And now I feel like, okay, he's at that level where like, I think he's probably the national league MVP favorite right now. If, if we had to, right. if we had to give one right now, I, I mean, it's either him or DeGrom basically, 
and what we're talking about is a guy who has combined the ability to just absolutely destroy any ball he touches. So he's at 98th average exit velocity, 98th percent percentile hard hit, 99th percentile expected WOBA, 100th percentile expected batting average, 99th percentile expected slugging, 95th percentile barrel, 95th percentile sprint speed. But he's a guy that used to just swing at everything and chase whatever. And now in a single season, he's gone to 87th percentile in whiff rate, 96th percentile in chase rate, 88th percentile in K percentage, 88th percentile in walk percentage. So he's yep. combined Thank you for saying that. absolutely elite production when he gets his bat on the ball with the ability to just suddenly stop swinging at bad pitches and take his walks and just only swing at pitches in the zone that he can destroy. And it's, it's unlocked just an insane level of production. He hit a 481 foot home run the other day. Uh, just hits everything in the air. Hits everything hard. Uh, I mean, he's already amassed 1.8 war. He struck out in 22 games. He struck out 30% of the t- time last year. He's striking out 14% of the time this year. He's, he's more than cut. More than Cuggis thing in half. And just... Which, again, we might say, oh, small sample size. But the whiff rate and the chase rate are there. Those normalize fairly quickly. Yeah, and and, and K and Walkrager are some of the stats that normalize the fastest. And just as I say Justin Fields was falling, he gets taken number 11 by the Chicago Bears. What a stroke of luck for that QB riddle. The QB... Nightmare. Uh the QB desperate franchise to have Justin Fields fall to them. They probably never thought that was going to happen. Uh, that's a big, that's a big pickup for them. But yeah, Sam, I, Ronald Acuna has just absolutely been blowing our minds. He's got eight bombs already in this young season, scored 24 times, driven in 17. He swiped three. And so for those 40, 40 fanatics out there who are hoping that he would go ahead and bomb 40 Tates plus swipe 40 bags, doesn't look like it's going to happen necessarily. That pace, uh, you know, three in the first 22 games, not quite going to make it, but uh, still very exciting to see. He hasn't been great defensively, but very small sample size. We'll see. I also don't, I'm not sure that we should ever expect like um, gold glove caliber defense from him. I think we can expect really solid center field play with a lot of range, super exciting playmaker, no doubt. But I'm just not sure that he's ever going to be like that super sound technical defender that like can win a gold glove necessarily. I mean, I feel like he's, Um, he's the athlete to be able to do it. Absolutely. He's the athlete to be able to do it, but playing center field is, is very difficult. Um, but yeah, he's just been insane. Max exit velos over 115 right now. His average exit velo is 96 miles an hour. He's barreling 20% of the baseballs he sees. And here's what I love to say. I'm like, his WOBA is 498. And you're like, oh my God. Okay, well, his ex-WOBA is 502. So he's basically getting the numbers that he should be right now. His BABIP, 339. Kind of high, but not for a hitter like him who just absolutely scorches line drives. Like, kind of normal for a hitter like that. And for for context, in 2019, it was 337 and 352 in 2018. So, Ronald Acuna absolutely taking the next step into superstardom. And another guy in the National League 
who's doing the exact same thing as Fernando Tatis Jr. Just last weekend in this series versus the L.A. Dodgers, on the anniversary of his dad's two Grand Slam inning, he goes ahead and hits two Bombas in the same game. He's sitting right now at seven jacks, 17 runs scored, four swipes. And while he's not having the same type of mind-blowing season, a 159 WRC plus compared to the 214 that Ronald Acuna is at right now, um, he is, it looks like, taking the next step, getting the chance to play every day, and being a very, very impressive everyday player. Have you had any thoughts watching him, Sam? Yeah, I mean, Tatis, I I almost felt like... I Like, I had Tatis ahead of Acuna, like coming into the season, like I almost had already felt like every time he's been healthy, he has been the superstar. And for me, it's more been a question of like, can you stay on the field? Whereas Acuna, mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, there's, there's this another level to go to where it's like, let's get the plate discipline in order. And he's done it. There's another guy who I think even way more so than Acuna, his reputation far outstripped his production and that was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. A guy who in his first couple of years in the league was really only a slightly better than average hitter. Uh, and while he scorched the ball, he was simply putting the ball on the ground too much. Uh, 6.7 average launch angle in 2019, 4.6 in 2020. Uh, and this year, he started putting the ball in the air a bit more, got into a 10.3 launch angle, and it's turning into incredible production. Already has seven home runs. And again, that's not that high, 10.3. Yeah, it's, it's not that high, but even just getting it up in the air a little, sometimes the way he hits the ball so hard, 96th percentile average exit velocity, uh, 96th percentile XWOBA, 84th percentile K rate, not striking out that much. 96 percentile walk rate so he's almost doubled his walk percentage from last year more than doubled it was 8.2 last year up to Mm -hmm. 17.5 this year which is absolutely ridiculous uh one one thing to keep your eye on though which is that while he has an 84 percentile k rate he actually has a 26 percentile whiff rate so he is whiffing a lot so i wonder if that k rate is going to end up I think it'll spike spiking a bit, bit, but, but he is doing a great job his of career not chasing. K rate is right in line with what he's doing right now. His yeah. career K rate is, is arguably lower than what he's doing right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. And that's, that's sort of the skill that everyone sort of said he had just like his dad, which is like the ability to get right. his bat on any ball. Um, so yeah, I feel like we're, we're watching a real breakout for Vladdy from, really a guy who had been an average major leaguer up to this point. And now he's taking a huge, I don't think anyone was ever like super worried about him because he's still so young, still mashed every chance he got in the minors has the pedigree Mm -hmm. has the skills, but it hadn't really come together. And now it feels like it is. Yeah. And this is huge for the Jays who have struggled a little bit in the early season, but really have been without their full lineup the entire time. George Springer set to play his first game. I think tomorrow, um, Kevin Biggio has been not good. Bo Bichette has been okay at times. And it's really Vladdy who's been the spark plug in this lineup so far. Marcus Simeon has been good. So shout out for Marcus Simeon, but um, Vladdy has been really good. And when I think it's when not if, cause that lineup is really good. 
when that lineup starts to come around, maybe Springer's the catalyst. We'll see. Um, I really think that having Vladdy at the level that he's playing right now could be a difference maker in that division. We'll just have to see, but you love to see this Vlad Guerrero senior, my all-time favorite baseball player. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Vladdy Jr. for that reason. So I hope he's able to keep this up. Um, Sam, as we're running out of time here, I did want to have one little debate with you since we're talking all these uh, players here. Both Mike Trout and Jacob deGrom, who I think coming into the season, we agreed were the best hitter and the best pitcher in baseball seem to have advanced to another level. Will it hold? Who knows? But for now, they are playing at a level that is just, it's honestly, words can't describe it. Trout is so good right now, and DeGrom is arguably even better at his position. DeGrom, in 35 innings, already 15.1K rate per nine, um, K's per nine, sorry, 0.51 ERA, 0.8 FIP, already a mass two war. On the other end of the baseball, Mike Trout, six bombs, 16 runs, 14 ribs, 262 WRC plus in no small part to a 524 OBP and a 783 slugging. What in the world is that, Sam? Um, these two guys are playing absolutely bonkers right now. And the question is right at this very second, who is better at their job? Not who's the better baseball player, not who's more valuable to the team. Who is better at their job between Mike Trout and Jacob deGrom? It's so tough, but I think I have to go with Jake. And here's the reason is like, it feels like with Trout, like every year he's like, he just keeps getting better. And, but it, but it feels like there are other guys who are like performing kind of in his echelon right now. Like we mentioned Acuna mm-hmm. Buxton, even is like leading the league in war right now. I mean, that, right. that's sort of crazy. Uh, but with, with DeGrom, it's like, it feels like there's like this extra air of like invincibility when he's on the mound. And I think the best example of this is last, you know, last night he was absolutely dominant. Six innings, nine strikeouts, one walk, gave up one run, which was Christian Vasquez hitting a double on an 100 mile per hour fastball, like a foot above the zone, like Christian Vasquez. But you got to hand it to Christian. Yeah, Vasquez. Yeah. That was a pretty sick piece of hitting. It was, it was great hitting, but he's maybe going to do that once in his entire career. Sure. On, on a pitch like that. I, in fact, I think I saw that that's the fastest pitch he's ever gotten a hit on. Uh, and it was so far out of the zone. Yeah. But, but like, we're watching like this masterpiece performance by DeGrom yesterday and I, I kid you not, people are feeling like, oh, Jake's off his game today. Like, that's mm-hmm. him being off his game. He's at a level that most pitchers couldn't even dream of, of reaching. And I feel like... Like, if he's striking out less than 10 and giving up a run in a game, everyone's like, well, didn't have his best stuff today, but he really fought through those seven innings. Like, he, he's insane. Our, our expectation for him right now is seven innings, 14 Ks, no runs, one walk, two hits every game. 
Yeah, and it it feels like it feels like it ta- it's going to take a guy like Christian Vasquez getting a double off a hundred mile per hour fastball out of the zone to score a run for him off him, mm-hmm. or like the other run he gave up was like Chaz Chisholm hitting a home run on a hundred mile per hour pitch above the zone where like, to be frank, like he just guessed and got lucky and, and got one. Like, but like, it feels like that's what it's going to take to get a single run off him. And the only like, okay, if you want to tell me like Garrett Cole and maybe Corbin Burns right now are like, basically are like close to that league, just the way that like Acuna and, yes. And Soto and Buxton Buxton close to Trout's league right now. Like I, I I'd give you that. Like statistically, I think that's true, but maybe it's like, it's just, it's part of DeGrom being a pitcher where it's like, this is his day. And like that, it just feels like he's reaching levels as a starting pitcher on the mound that are basically unprecedented. So that's kind of, so I agree with you, Sam, and I don't fault that pick at all. Um, I will mention that, of course, since Kyle Gibson is almost through six and hasn't given up a run to the Red Sox tonight, I I think he's probably the better pitcher of the two. But (laughs) um, if I had to pick this and I don't want to because it's not easy, but if I had to pick this, um, I think I still say Trout. And the reason why is because. Yes, DeGrom's performance is legendary. And I don't think that he's coming back to earth in the sense that like he's not going to, you know, continue pitching at this level. But I do think that there will like come many points in the season where you're like, would I rather have DeGrom, Burns, maybe Bieber at some points, Garrett Cole go out onto the hill. And you'd say, yeah, I'd be just as comfortable with that right now. I just can't imagine any point in the season that you would be like, there's somebody else in the big leagues who I'd rather have at the dish right now than Mike Trout. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I mean, Trout's the goat, like Mike Trout, I'd rather have Mike Trout than Jacob deGrom on my team. Well, yeah, that's, that was too easy of a question. That's not what, that's why I didn't ask, but you also make a good point that in terms of like feeling I agree. There's something so special about when DeGrom comes out and pitches right now. Like I've been, you know, I'm always quad box. And I always got four games. When DeGrom pitches, I have one game up because I'm watching every single thing he throws because it's art. He is so good right now. Even someone like Burns and even someone like Cole who are statistically, oh, oh, good news. Gibson gave up a run to the Red Sox. So there he's actually not <laughs> as good as DeGrom. Um, like, yes, it's, it's close to what he's doing in terms of statistics, but it never feels like they are so far above the competition. When DeGrom's on the hill, it feels like the best hitters in baseball are clueless, have no shot against him. And and the thing about DeGrom is like his chain, he might have the best changeup of any starting pitcher in baseball. And he basically doesn't throw, hasn't thrown it this year. Zach Allen would like the word. (laughs) But like, like it's up there. It's one of the top three changeups maybe of any starting pitcher in baseball. And he basically like he's throwing it less than ten percent of the time this year because he just doesn't need to. He he no because he scrapped his he literally does not throw his curveball, which is an incredible pitch because he doesn't need to. <laughs> his curveball is so good, <laughs> yeah. But it's just like nobody can hit his fastball. He, nobody can hit his fastball, and then that slider is just 
he puts it wherever he wants with however much break he wants as well. And, and it's just like, if you look, if you look at the heat map of his slagger, it's like, it is never over the plate. It is always exactly right. where he wants it to be. If you look at the heat map of his fastball, it is painted on the outside corner or up and out of the zone where you're not going to hit it. Mm-hmm. If you look at his changeup, it's down and into the righties down and away to the lefties always below the zone. It's just like, he doesn't miss. And it's, and if you take on him, if you take on him, he punishes you because he just paints the corners. He says, you're, if you're taking, this is a ball, except it's not. Yeah. I mean, he, it, it's really such a treat getting to watch him every five days. And the fact that the and Mets you are- guys aren't watching, go out there, watch these DeGrom stars, watch some angels games and watch trout play. Like, we are witnessing literal history right now with a lot of guys, but these two guys in particular, you can't take your eyes off right now. And the fact that the Mets are somehow two and three in games DeGrom has pitched this year is unfathomable. Insane. Insane. Um, well, Sam, I think that that was, that, that was a fair discussion. It's fair play. Like I said, if you guys have your thoughts, reach out to us on Twitter at the Alonzo Bed or email us thealonzobed at gmail.com. Before we go, I did want to read. We had a really interesting email from a listener. Um, Vince from New Jersey, believe it or not, wrote in on Big Meat Pete back on the menu is the title of the email. He says, uh, with his scorching homer in the second Mets game against the Cubs, are we set to to see the return of Big Meat Pete Alonzo lighting up City Field this summer? He He brought up the fact that he... uh... I think he had a golden sombrero like the next game. (laughs) He did. He did because he told him that he sent the email, but he brought up some good points. You know, he said that his barrel rate 17.2%. He has a hundred mile an hour exit velocity, a hard hit rate of 69%. Um, Those are all very good signs. Sam, tell us just in a few quick sentences, Vince from New Jersey, obviously a Mets fan. Um, Tell him in a few sentences, should he continue having this unbridled optimism about Pete or is Pete maybe due for a little regression? I I mean, I, I think Pete is who he is, which is a guy who, when he gets a hold of the ball can do damage on it that basically no one, but John Carlos Stanton and Aaron judge can match. But he's a guy who also is going to like chase some sluggers out of the zone and take some bad at bats and, Pete's a great hitter. I mean, Pete is at the absolute least of the Mets worries at the plate right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, are, can, yeah, if you're asking, is Pete going to have a 130, 140 WRC plus this year? Yeah, I think he is because Pete's, Pete's <laughs> a beast. All right. Well, Vince from New Jersey, you can go home sleeping soundly now. And with that, I do uh, just want to make a pitch. If you have not looked at Mike Trout's Fangraph's page lately, go try and find a column that you don't find impressive. There's a lot of columns on Fangraph. Try to find just one that you don't think is really all that impressive. Is this um, K-Ray? It's not great right now. Yeah, but over his career, it's <laughs> been uh, pretty good. Um, you challenged me. Yeah, that's true. I did. It's actually, I think, his defense, if you have to point to one. Um, but yeah, with that said, thank you for joining us again tonight, guys. We will, uh, try to come back a little bit sooner next week, uh, so that you guys are not left in the dark about the comings and goings of baseball legends for another 10 day span. But with that, it's been an honor as always to be your hosts and we are them. I'm Aaron. I'm Sam. Good night, folks.